My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Last week, we started a new series at all three of our campuses, and this series is for people who sometimes feel like they don't measure up. It's for people who think that they're always messing up or failing to meet everyone's expectations. And this series is also for people who find that other people let you down because they fail to live up to your expectations. Because as we work through this series, we're learning that we're set free by Jesus Christ in order to live free as we survey the book of Galatians from the New Testament together. Last week, Pastor Jeff, or Pastor Brandt, excuse me, offered the conditional promise to you that if you show up during this series and you let God work in your heart to change you, that you can, as he said, start to live a little lighter. You'll start to shine a little brighter. Why? Because you've been set free to live free. And then last week, he explained how you can live a little lighter by breaking the bonds and the chains of expectations that other people place on you that God never intended for you. Now, we concluded last week at all three campuses with Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. And it says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Jesus is enough because he's our everything. We don't need to add to what he has called us to be or to do. We need to please him, not the expectations of everybody else. And today, we're going to learn one way that we can shine a little brighter in the freedom that he's already purchased for us. And Paul, the writer of this book and the New Testament of Galatians, is going to share his story with us. And He's about to explain to us who he used to be, what Jesus did for him, and who he became after Jesus got a hold of him. And Jesus got the glory for every bit of Paul's story. So question for you at the outset. What's your story? As you consider your answer to that question, let's look at the next section of Paul's message to us and to the churches in Galatia throughout that region. David Platt puts it this way. This chapter is about how God's love to save bad people. According to the scripture, all God's people have been rescued. He set us free so that we can tell the story of what Jesus did in our lives. And with that backdrop, let's stand if you're able to do so in honor of God's word. And would you read with me together? Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through 24. I'll try not to mess it up too much. See if I can keep up with you. Here we go, starting in verse 11. Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preached is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source, and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion. 
how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. When this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before I was. Instead, I went to Asia, and later I returned to the city of Damascus. Then three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter, and I stayed with him for 15 days. The only other apostle I met at that time was James, the Lord's brother. I declare before God that what I am writing to you is not a lie. After that visit, I went north into the provinces of Syria and Cilicia. And still, the churches in Christ that are in Judea didn't know me personally. All they knew was that people were saying, the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy. And they praise God because of me. Can we take a moment to invite the Holy Spirit to take control of our hearts and be our teacher this morning? My Lord God, we ask that you would help us to understand what Paul is teaching the Galatian believers so long ago in order to help us understand what we need to know as we journey through this book, learning how to live in freedom that you've already purchased for us. Lord, would you help us too to understand Paul's story and why he's sharing it and be able to learn from his example to identify and prepare our story so we can share it too, so that we can shine bright for you because you changed us, because you rescued us, because you set us free. Lord, would you, in a way that only you can accomplish, somehow use our story, maybe even this week, to help some, someone else free? In Jesus' name, we ask all these things. Amen. As you return into your seats, in this passage that we just read, Paul is sharing his testimony. Now, testimony is a churchy word for story, for what I know, for my account of how things unfolded. Uh, maybe more descriptively, testimony, as it's used here, is my story of how God changed my life. And my goal today is first to explain Paul's story and why it fits in this part of this book and our journey together, and then to encourage you to prepare your story, and then to look for opportunities to share your story so that God gets the glory. So let's start here. There's a reason that Paul is telling us his story here. Why did he share his testimony to these believers throughout the region of Galatia in this letter? Well, first, he's offering himself up as exhibit A for the fact that God really does love to save bad people. And that was Paul's story in a nutshell. But he's also telling his story here in order to drive home the central message of this whole letter that we're studying together in this series. Remember, there's false teachers that are going around to these churches and trying to convince believers and followers of Jesus a false gospel. These are called Judaizers sometimes. And they were arguing that you had to behave a certain way in order to be saved. The exact opposite of the true gospel. 
Specifically, they were making the claim and the argument that you had to act Jewish in order to be Christian. They were piling man-made rules and expectations on top of the very simple message of the one true gospel of Jesus Christ. What's that simple message? Put most simply, there's nothing you can do to earn God's favor or forgiveness of your sins or a right relationship with him. Jesus has already done all that work for you on the cross. And so putting all your faith in him and accepting Jesus as your savior, not anything that you do or don't do, is how we have a right relationship with God, how we're saved. That's the gospel. If it were a math equation, it would go Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. And these guys, these false teachers, were giving the false message to anyone who would listen to them and believe them. Jesus plus something does not equal salvation. That is not the gospel message. It's the exact opposite of it. Then, just like today, lots of people had allowed this lie to seep into their minds and then into their hearts. I've got to somehow do this religious act or follow this rule or measure up to this expectation in order to please God. And Paul is unfolding his story of what Jesus did for him in order to reinforce, no, that's not true. Don't believe that lie. Don't believe human theories about human efforts that are going to somehow get you to God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. My work has already been done on the cross on your behalf. You don't have to do anything else. We've been set free to live free. And so in verse 11, and Paul goes to great, lakes, great lengths to remind his readers that his message wasn't really his message at all. It came from Jesus himself. In verse 12, he actually makes clear, Paul explains how this wasn't passed on to him from somebody else like each and every one of us has received the gospel message of Jesus. Someone else told us. Jesus himself revealed it directly to Paul. Now, we should be highly skeptical of this claim from Paul or from anybody else. If I or Pastor Jeff or Brant or John or anybody else comes before you and says, I heard a message from the Lord. You can only get it from me. And now I'm going to tell you what God wants you to know. You would be wise and obeying the Bible if you were to say, hmm, is that consistent? Is there evidence in God's word of what he's already revealed to us to suggest that what you think you heard from God is actually true? But Paul's message is from Jesus. And if you look in verse 1, you see it is in keeping with all the rest of the scriptures. He's not making this stuff up. In fact, the other authorities at the time, the leaders in the church that were also hearing from the Lord based on what God had already said in his word, authenticated and verified his message. So he's not giving a new message. He's not saying, I'm the only one who's heard this from God. He's saying, this is the source that I heard it, but it's consistent with everything that has already been explained in scriptures. The one true, consistent, reliable gospel message is the same message that I heard directly from Jesus himself. The message the entire Bible points to. 
The message that Christian orthodoxy affirms over and over and over throughout the generations and centuries. And the rest of Paul's story, in addition to that miraculous claim, adds confirmation and illustration to his main point in this book. And that is, Jesus saved me even though I didn't deserve it. So you can't earn your way to salvation either. So let's look at Paul's story starting here in verse 13. He says, here's what I was like before I became a Jesus follower. Here's what my goals and passions were like before Jesus showed up in my life and changed me. He says in verse 13, you know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted the church. I did my best to destroy it. He's saying, hey, Galatians, you think you have to obey all the Jewish laws in order to be right with God? Well, let me tell you a little bit more of my story. In verse 14, I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in zeal and for the traditions of my ancestors. He says, I was following the Jewish religion and I did it better than anybody else. In fact, we get more of his story in Acts 22 where we find out he was highly educated in the Jewish religion. And he was a star pupil of the great rabbi Gamaliel. And the result of all of his efforts was violence and destruction. If you need the gory details, you can look at the next verse in Acts 22 that says, And I persecuted the followers of the way, Christians, hounding some to death, arresting both men and women and throwing them in prison. You see, there's no question Paul was a very bad man before he met Jesus. And obviously, this would have made him a bad Christian by our standards. But interestingly enough, those are the very things that made him a good religious rule follower at his time. And the more details emerge in Philippians chapter 4, where Paul tells us a little bit more of his story. And he says, I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight years old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. If you don't know the Jewish history, let me just tell you, those are all really good, respectable things if you're Jewish. And he says, I was a member of the Pharisees. We think that's bad. The Jews thought that was great. He goes on to say, who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. He was as perfect as a human being could be. That's Paul's story. Before Jesus, he did as good as anyone possibly could at obeying the law and keeping all the rules and the expectations of others in his own strength. And it still wasn't good enough. In fact, he was literally doing his best for God, and the result of that was destroying the very church of God. So that's Paul's story before Jesus. How did Jesus change Paul? The very next verse in Philippians chapter 3 says this, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless. Because what has Christ has done in my life. 
as Paul continues his testimony here, something happens to him. He has a come-to-Jesus moment. Some of you know his account from other passages of Scripture. And actually, Jesus met him, not the other way around, on that road to Damascus. And in a moment, his life as he knew it came to a screeching halt. Look back at verse 15 and 16 of Galatians chapter 1. Even before I was born, Paul says, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. And then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. You see, God had a plan for Paul before he became a Christian. God had a plan for Paul before he started killing Christians. In fact, God had a plan for Paul before he was even born. Just like he does for each and every one of us. Do you know yet that God has a plan for you? That could be a part of your story. No matter what you've done so far in life. Because it's not about what we've done. It's what Jesus has already done for us. If you continue on in verse 16, Paul continues his story with, When this happened, I didn't rush out to consult with any other human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before I was. Instead, I went away into Arabia. Some scholars think that he stayed there for as many as 10 years. And later, I returned to the city of Damascus. Then three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter. And I stayed with him for 15 days. I want you to notice this. After Jesus changed Paul's life, Paul then invested 10 to 13 years getting to know Jesus personally, investing in a relationship with Jesus, not just going to church and hanging out with other Christians or jumping into ministry. Some of us wonder, I've been saved for years. How come God isn't using me in powerful ways for his kingdom? It's not because we're not called. It's not because God doesn't have a plan for us. Sometimes it's because we haven't yet taken the time to connect with him deeply enough for him to have control of us and to be able to work his plan through us. You see, Paul was all in on religion before Jesus, and now he's all in with a relationship with Jesus because God changed him in that way. And then after he grew into an understanding and relationship with the God who saved him, then God used him in powerful ways. Continuing his story, we see a little bit of how God used him. Verse 21. After that visit, I went north to the province of Syria and Cilicia. And still the Christians in the churches in Judea didn't know me personally. All they knew was that people were saying, the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy. You see, before Jesus, Paul was a terrorist. After Jesus, Paul is an evangelist because Jesus changed his life. Jesus changed Paul, and then Jesus used Paul to influence people he hadn't even met before. The result? Verse 24. And they praised God because of little Lomi. That's Paul's story, and Jesus got all the glory. So I ask you again, 
What's your story? Has Jesus changed you? Have you allowed him to meet you at the foot of the cross and accept what he has already done for you to be all that you need to have forgiveness of your sins, a right relationship with the God who made you, who had a plan for you before you were even born? Have you been set free by Jesus? If so, part of living free is to use your story to give God some glory. So now that you've seen the power of Paul's story a little bit this morning, I want to challenge you. First, to prepare your story so that then you can share your story so God gets all the glory. One way to share your story is to live it out, right? It's actually do what the truth of God's word calls us to do, not because it makes us closer to God, but because it reveals who God is to a watching world. And so here's one example of that. Pastor Jeff, just before he went in for surgery, I was privileged to spend a few minutes with him, reading scripture and praying with him and, and talking. And he told us before he came up here, uh, before he went to surgery from this platform that the Lord had been speaking to him consistent with scripture saying, Jeff, you've been telling people what to do and how to live and trust in Jesus for 30 years now. Now it's time for you to show them by the way that you're living it out. And I can assure you, he's been practicing what he's been preaching. When I visited with him, he was the same Jeff that you see right up here, right before he was going off into a major surgery. He was holding tight to Jesus he was claiming the truth of, his, of God's word for himself. He was loving his family well. And he was giving encouraging words to his church. And he was telling goofy jokes. That's Pastor Jeff living out what he has been talking to you about for 30 years. And now that he's home, he's living the same way even through his painful recovery as well. He's shining bright for Jesus by doing what he's been saying. And I'm going to suggest to you that many of you, some I know personally this to be the fact, that many of you are shining bright for Jesus in the very same way, living out what God's word says and what you say you believe. And I want to commend you and encourage you for that. Keep it up if that's you. But I also want to say, we're all called to share the message of Jesus Christ with words as well. It takes both and. We, we want to share the truth with our mouths, but we also want to live it out with our lives. If we miss one of those, the message becomes very ineffective. Both of them together becomes a powerful testimony to the truth of Jesus Christ and his word and his ability to change lives and set people free. So I want to encourage you to share your Jesus story. Be able to share it with words as well as actions. Simply put, what I'm challenging you to do today is to prepare your story by writing it out, putting it down on paper or on a computer screen. Take a few minutes to put it into words, and then take a few more minutes, maybe even days, to allow God to help you refine it, to communicate the story well of how Jesus has changed you and set you free. Why would I ask you to go through this effort of preparing by writing it, 
so you can share it. So Jesus can get all the glory as you share your story. I ask you to prepare your story because God has a plan to use you to influence people you have never met yet. And one way that he can do that is through your story. You know, it's one of those things that nobody can take from you. Nobody can argue with you. You can share points of theology or even scriptures from God's word. And people may argue and disagree. Nobody can argue with your story. And your story can and should be the story of Jesus Christ setting you free. God had a plan to use you even before you were born. And one powerful way for him to do that is through you being prepared to share your story. So spend some time today, I hope, this week at the very least, carve out some time to invest in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And then allow him to guide you into that process of preparing your story by writing it out, putting it into words, refining it so that you can share it quickly and effectively at a moment's notice if necessary. So you can not only share your story, but give Jesus the glory when you do. I did this very thing about three years ago during our combined uh, annual service. From this platform, we were encouraging all of our church family from all three campuses gathered together that day to be prepared to share your story, for God to use you when he uh, prompts you to share the message of Jesus Christ with others through what he's done for you. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to share my story again, but if you're interested, uh, as an example, you can uh, take a uh, look at the link in the video from today on YouTube or uh, Facebook or Church Online, and go back to that video and watch it if you wish. And here's the th thing, to God's glory, because I prepared my story and because I share it regularly, I'm still able to share it without a whole lot of work or prompting. The Holy Spirit prompts me, it's time for me to point people to Jesus by explaining how he changed me and set me free. That's the great thing about your story. Nobody can take it from you. And once you've prepared it, it's really hard to forget it too. You'll always have it ready to share if you prepare it. And so I want to encourage you, take a few minutes this week, invest that time in your relationship with Jesus and in preparing by writing out how Jesus changed you. And can I encourage you, don't overcomplicate it. Keep it simple. I'm not asking you to write a book or do a giant research product. I'm just saying three simple parts. What you were like before Jesus, how Jesus got a hold of you, and what you're like with Jesus. The end. That simple message can point people to Jesus by allowing them to see from your words how Jesus set you free. You remember David Platt, the guy who said God loves to save bad people? He's got an excellent resource on Right Now Media. You either have a subscription to that or you can get one for free through our church. Check in with us if you're not sure how to set that up. And that resource will guide you, if you're willing to let it, not only with an example of his testimony, but also a step-by-step -step process and just a couple of steps on how you can put words to the computer screen in order to prepare and write out your story of how Jesus changed you. 
he also makes another interesting point. Given that he's the one that said God loves to rescue bad people, some of us are reluctant to share our story or bother to prepare it even because we're convinced, you know what? I wasn't really that bad before Jesus. I was a little kid, or I lived a pretty good life by human standards. I didn't get into all that craziness that God had to rescue me from, so I don't have a very good testimony. Can I suggest to you that a powerful testimony and message of the story of Jesus working through somebody is to say, God rescued me, a very bad person, from the evils that I found myself involved in. Whether it was booze or drugs or sex or violence or crime or anything else. God can use those restoration, rescue stories in powerful ways. So share that story. Can I suggest to you, maybe even a more powerful story than that? God rescued me from the evils of sin. I was a bad person by his standards. But because he rescued me. Before I got involved in the evils of booze and sex and drugs and violence and all these things, I get to shine bright for Jesus and I give glory to him for protecting me from all those things. So I want you to watch David Platt and his testimony. It just takes a couple of minutes because it's a perfect example of somebody who didn't seem that bad, that some of us might think doesn't have a really great testimony, but he gives God all the glory by explaining his story. By God's grace, I grew up in a home where my mom and dad taught me the gospel from the time I was born. And by God's grace, he surrounded me with a church that did the same thing. And so, Sunday school teachers and other people who taught me the word and showed me the character of God. At some point when I was a child, and I don't remember the exact moment, it, it clicked. I understood that I was a sinner before God, that God loved me enough to send Christ to pay the price for my sins, and that in turning from my sin and myself, and trusting in Jesus, I would be saved forever. And so I, I did that. I remember at one point talking with the pastor about that. I remember talking with my parents about that. But I was young. I don't remember all the details. But it was it was neat to see in the years to come. Now, because I was young, it wasn't like, okay, wow, I went from living this radically rebellious life to total transformation overnight. There was certainly... Uh, in a sense, a gradual process of, of uh, learning what it means to follow Christ. But I, it was clear there was a point where things clicked and where it went from just hearing Bible stories to actually having a hunger for God's Word and from being taught to pray to wanting to pray. And that regeneration happened at, at, at a point in my life and the effects of that Obviously, still, I still continue to experience the effects of that in new and powerful ways, even today, and understand more and more the Lordship of Christ with each passing day, and have so much to learn. But I'm thankful, by God's grace, for the privilege of hearing the gospel early in my life, and for His grace in drawing me to Himself early in my life. Music
It's a powerful story that gives God the glory free of criminal activity. Maybe your story is similar. And as you prepare to write out and share your testimony, your story of how Jesus changed you, three things quickly that I want to point out from Paul's testimony that we need to keep in mind. Number one, Paul is sharing his story for a reason. He doesn't just walk up to strangers on the street and say, hey, do you want to talk about Jesus? Let me tell you my story. Because that sounds like a sales pitch and people treated as such by walking away or slamming the door in our face. And so there's usually a reason, a prompt, an opportunity that God gives us to share our story once it's prepared. Look for those opportunities. Pray that they'll present themselves. Second thing about Paul's testimony, Paul is telling the truth. You might think, well, of course, a Christian, an evangelist, a missionary, he would tell the truth all the time, right? Let me put it differently. Paul is not embellishing his story. And I say that because sometimes Christian, especially us pastors or evangelists like Paul, we fall into this bad habit of trying to add to the story in order to make it sound better. Uh, back in Bible school, we had a term for this. We called it evangelistically speaking, meaning stretching the story in order to make it sound more like what we wanted it to say. And that's what shady salesmen do when they try to make something sound better than it actually is. That's what many politicians do. And it's a bad look, not only on salesmen and politicians, but on pastors and Christians. So Make sure that when you're sharing your story, don't overcomplicate it. Don't try and make it sound better than it is. Resist the urge to add to your story and help Jesus out. He's already got a powerful story in how he's changed you. Prepare that story and be ready to share it. Third, Paul causes people to praise Jesus, not Paul, with his story. So if you ever find yourself sharing your story... Or writing it out and thinking, wow, don't I look good in this? You're doing it wrong. Because the point of your story, any truly Christian testimony, is about what God did for you. Not about anything you or I have done. Because Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Jesus said in John 15, 5, without him, we can do nothing. So if you have a story to share about how Jesus changed you, it's all about him getting the glory, not about us looking good. So share your story in a way that gives God all the glory. But if you don't prepare it, you may miss out on the opportunity to share it. And that's a shame because your story can give the God of the universe glory that he deserves. Your story can influence somebody else to consider, maybe God has a plan for my life. Maybe Jesus has already done everything that I need to be set free. Your story can influence that and be used by God to change somebody else. Once you prepare it, then you can share it every time God gives you the opportunity. How many of you have already prepared your story However you did it, you're in a situation where if you meet somebody tomorrow, a stranger on the street and says, hey, will you tell me what Jesus did for you? Or I invite you to you up right now. You'd be able to be prepared to share what Jesus has done for you. How many would say, you're there? Awesome. Continue to look and pray for opportunities to share that story because it's a powerful message for Jesus Christ. 
How many of you who haven't done that yet are willing to take me up on the challenge that I'm saying right now? You're going to spend some time this week in order to invest in your relationship with Jesus and then invest some time putting your story into words. Anybody willing to accept that challenge? Awesome. Awesome. Because once you prepare your story, you'll be ready to share your story and allow God to get all of the glory for it. Once you got it ready, look for those opportunities to arrive. Pray that God will provide those opportunities. And you know what? He can't wait to answer that prayer. Can I pray for you right now? Lord God, I ask that you would work in the hearts of each and every one of us. Those that have already prepared a story, those that have a little bit of work to do with you and putting the investment into being ready, being prepared when you give us the opportunity to share what you have done in our lives. And Father, I pray right now that you would also create the divine appointments that only your Holy, Sp Holy Spirit can orchestrate. We have no idea what's coming in this week, but you do. We don't know who we're going to and not going to interact with this week. Who might need a word of encouragement? Who might need to be pointed to your son Jesus? Who might be ready to ask questions or even receive answers? Perhaps even take the first step of faith, trusting in you as their savior. And you could use one of us to do that. God, I pray for those opportunities that you would give us the wisdom and be in tune and walking with you close enough to recognize it when they come. And that you would fill our mouths with your story and the way that you've changed us. That you would bring glory to yourself. Lord, I pray that whatever it is that we've been through in our lives this, thus far, that you would create hundreds of evangelists for the true gospel of Jesus Christ that can change lives and set others free because we've been set free so that we can live free. 